Episode 3 of the Dogs of War podcast is brought to you by Angry Browns fans, the greatest Browns-specific meme Instagram account of all time. Follow us on Instagram, at Angry Browns fans. Saddle up, let's go. 18 seconds left, he's got the snap. Back to pass, up in the pocket, shooting it long and deep, and it's picked off! They got it! Terrence Mitchell's got it! And it's all over here now! They can't take it away anymore! 11 seconds left to go! Mitchell takes the football, he's gonna run it down to the best fans, the most patient fans in the league, right to the dog pound, up and in he goes! It is live. The mics are hot. Check. Check it. Check. Welcome back, gang. Kevin, how was your weekend? That's all the intro you're going to give? I mean, we just played a song. I worked pretty hard to play that song. Welcome back to episode three of the Dogs of War podcast. I am your host, Kevin, and this is my co-host, Raleigh. That's a better intro. Now, there we go. Now. (laughs) We're in. Now you can ask me that question again. Kevin, how was your weekend? It was a great Saturday at downtown Cleveland, a little wedding at the cathedral. Then between the wedding and the reception, walked on over to the great establishment, the Winking Lizard, to catch the rest of the Indians game, which didn't go so well. And then, of course, to watch the Browns preseason game versus the Colts before the actual reception. So all in all, no complaints. Great weekend. How about yourself? Uh, my girlfriend decided we we're going to get a new couch, and we got a new couch. So that's uh, it's on the way. We're sitting on my old couch, which apparently didn't check the boxes. And uh, yeah, $2,500 later, here we are. These are the adult things they didn't teach you about growing up, buying couches. What brought this about? Like what made her say, let's get a new couch? Well, and I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of wanting to be proud of our apartment so that we can host guests with enthusiasm and apparently the couch was lacking this new couch is going to take our couch game our hosting game to the next level so i'm pretty excited will the new couch make for better podcasts um the audience i imagine will hear the comfort levels is it leather elevated no it's uh some kind of cloth there's a lot of emphasis on the cloth it's going to be made out of i wasn't really Paying too much attention. Is it a comfy couch, like a lounge couch, or is it meant for decoration for people to be like, oh, that's a nice couch? You know what I mean? I think it's both. It better be both. Is it a deep couch? It's deep. Deep it is. We're going to be able to fit so many guests on this couch at one time. We're going to be looking fly and hopefully super comfortable. Stadium seating. Nice. Oh, you know what else? One more thing to end the weekend with is after our episode last week and our discussion on Cheesy Fiesta Potatoes. I was walking back last night to my apartment, and I passed a Taco Bell, and I kind of thought about it for a minute. You know when you've had one of those weekends where you know you have the, the wedding festivities Friday night, then you have the wedding on Saturday, and then by Sunday, you've already done so much damage and put so much garbage in your body for the last 48 hours. You're like, oh yeah, I can do nothing worse than what I've already done to myself this weekend. So Taco Bell right now is just a complete wash anyway. Yeah. So I absolutely walked my ass in that Taco Bell, got cheesy Fiesta potatoes and a few other necessities. Yeah, it's a big you, old you pop. Heard it. 
Absolutely. And you think you tell yourself, okay, well, the diet starts back again tomorrow. We got a lot of good stuff lined up this episode. We're going to talk about the ass beating against the Colts, the highlights from the game. We have an interview lined up. First interview. Yes, we do. We're going to talk about fantasy with a fantasy expert who is a guy I went to college with. You'll like him. His name's Connor. He's the man. Uh, we're going to talk about, apparently you have a Freddy Kitchen story that I haven't heard yet. I do. And again, once again, All-Stars called in from the Munilot payphone. Big news regarding that. So buckle up, and away we go. The boys are back in brown. The boys are back in brown. Garrett Gilbert. I think he looked pretty solid. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, he went, what was it, 13 for 19? Mm-hmm. Let me check that out. Yeah, threw two touchdowns. And above all else, he just looked competent. That's what I was going to say, too. That's what I noticed the most. It's, I mean, again, you, I don't put a lot of weight into these preseason games because, as we said a thousand times before, they're practices. But that kid came out there with some swag, oh, some yeah. confidence. I, I That's said, awesome. I've been saying for years before Baker – Please just give us a quarterback that has the ability to hit the routine pass, the occasional routine pass. And he looked confident. He looked good. And I'm like, our backup player, our backup quarterback, he'd have been starting on this team two years ago. 1,000%. And probably would have been the greatest quarterback we've had since Couch if he played like that. You just took me back to even just a couple seasons ago when first downs were celebrated like touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, they – out of principle, They've they, come a long they way. still kind of are. Like, tell me you don't get jacked up every time we get a first down or if we convert on third and seven. Indeed, but we still need to recognize we've come quite a long way. Yeah, so, again, not trying to dwell on the pass too hard, but if we have a backup quarterback that looks competent, great strides. Good job, Freddie. Good job, Mr. Dorsey. Good job, Mr. Gilbert. Good job, Browns Nation. There are a couple things that were worth noting, I guess you could say couple fun observations. It was great to see Kareem Hunt get in all for, for the two yards and, or excuse me, two carries and six yards that he had. But still. I'm I proud mean, of all six of those yards. It, absolutely. Every single yard. Proud <laughs> of every one. We had uh, Richardson and Olivier Vernon. They played a couple of downs. Not really sure how to evaluate playing a couple of downs. Again, we're getting into the analyst realm of things. and We are not analysts. We're just regular guys that are obsessed with the Cleveland Browns. My point was it was just great to see Kareem Hunt out there in a Browns jersey playing football for us. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. On a more somber note, we're having a little bit of uh, – there's a little bit of a struggle going on in the kicking game. Both of our kickers, Greg the Leg and Austin Siebert, missed from 50 yards. Uh, they hit a couple of PATs, but the 50-yard misses – I know Browns fans are a little bit upset, a little bit troubled. What should we do? Should we cut him and should we sign a veteran? I saw some of our media from practice today on Twitter tweeting videos of saying both kickers today hitting 40-yard field goals. Oh, it's like, guys, we're back. Come on. Like, and we it, get it. We're, we're okay. We're okay. We're going to be all right. And you know what? If they do miss kicks in the game, you tweet at them that you love them and you support them no matter what because they are our guys – and they are busting their asses every day to be the best. Can I give a quick PSA to the current and someday will be parents out there? You may. 
you know, you talk about signing your kid up to play soccer, football, hockey, track, cross country, everything. To hell with all of that. In your backyard, forget the basketball hoop, forget anything else. Set up a little field goal out there. I, I've always have them start kicking from like age three because there's like three people out there right now who can make a field goal. Yeah, there's that. You're gonna go anywhere you want for college. You'll make a shitload of money in the pros. Start your kid off being a field goal kicker straight up right away. I have a similar theory, if you will, in that regard. My kid is going to be a long snapper. Or that. Yeah. That works too. You're not going to read about him in the papers because he screwed up a long snap. Actually, if they screw up the long snap, they're certainly going to be read about in the papers. But those guys have like a 100% success rate if you're in the league. So my kid will be... Long snap. He could be a six seven, athletic gentleman, ferocious as hell. But sorry, Jimmy, you're going to be long snapping. Moving on, on a positive kicking note, Jamie Gillian is somebody that's trying to be a punter for the Browns. He, you may know him as the Scottish Hammer. First off, fantastic nickname. Second of all, he busted a 74-yard punt. Like... That was unreal. He was punting from his own two. The announcers were saying, oh, yeah, it looks like the Indianapolis is going to have pretty good field position. No, not with this guy kicking the ball. He put it on there like 10 or something. I remember sitting at the Lizard looking up at the TV. I saw we're about to punt. So I was like, okay, whatever. Didn't think anything of it. Looked away, you know, looked back up a a few seconds later, and I see him going to the sideline, and I see a ton of players like, like attacking him, like giving him high fives and like, like he's smacking a him. I think even Baker ran over. I was like, what the hell just happened? And they showed the replay. I was like, holy cow. He <laughs> yeah. just smoked that thing. Yeah, these guys are putting on a preseason show for us. The starters aren't playing, but I mean, if we're getting jacked up about the homeless guy who took a punt to the house last week and the Scottish hammer dropping a 74-yard bomb, good things. Things to come. I love this team. So last week, Freddie Kitchen said in a press conference that the days of the unknown sources, the days of the leaks in the regime are over. Any leaks will be found and fired immediately. That being said, we have an unnamed source, and they told Kevin a sick story about Freddie Kitchens. Kevin, tell us this story. So I overheard a nice little story when I was at the Lizard downtown on Saturday night. A source that I trust, whether the rest of you do, is up to you. So Freddie found himself a new Catholic church here in Cleveland, Ohio. The church and the priest of who I'm going to be sharing the story about will remain anonymous because we are the dogs of war, not the dogs of scum. Freddie, at his new Catholic church, went up after a service one Sunday to meet the priest. Wanted to shake his hand, introduce himself as a new parishioner. He said, Father, my name is Freddie Kitchens. Born and raised in Alabama. Moved here to Cleveland recently, uh, about a year ago. And just wanted to introduce myself. Father looks at Freddie and says, oh, you know, it's, it's great to meet you, Freddie. Uh, you know, what brought you to Cleveland? What do you do here? And Freddie kind of laughed and, and looked back and said, well, you know, I'm actually the, the new coach of the Cleveland Browns. The priest looked back at him and said, oh, the Cleveland Browns, yeah, they haven't had a uh, a good few many years, have they now? Freddie said, no, Father, they have not. So first takeaway right there is that God love this priest for just loving nothing more than what's going on in the walls of that church. 
So then the father looks back at Freddie and goes, well, Freddie, if you're from Alabama, I thought everyone down there is pretty much Baptist, no? Freddie said, I was born and raised Baptist, but back in college when I met my now wife, she said I couldn't date her unless I became Catholic. And then he said, Father, you know, I'd love for you to come down to a game this year. And the father looked back at him and said, you know, Freddie, I'd love to, but uh, Sundays just aren't a good day for me. I'm a little busy here. So Freddie said, uh, you know what, that's all right. You know, we have some night games this year for a change. He said, well, Freddie, you know, I don't really do well outside in the cold. Freddie said, you know what, Father, what if I just get you a brown sweatshirt? Would you wear that? And he said, you know what, I'll think about it. Let me get back to you. So I thought it was a good story. Some of you probably don't care at all. That's fine. Raleigh, what are your takeaways on that Freddie tale? My takeaway, hats off to the man for converting for the woman that he loves. I'm sure that his friends and family back home now think because he's Catholic, he's probably going to Alabama hell. Courage, Freddie. I respect it. The other side of that, I, I, I love you, Freddie, but I also like to call a fair game and I have principles. If the leader of my church, faith, whatever you want to call it, didn't know a thing about the Cleveland Browns football and who you were coaching, I'm finding a different church. I mean, I love that he's getting a guy to go out there. We'll see if he does. But, you know, take a call in a sub, Father. Like, it's okay to show up occasionally or not. I don't know what the whole policy on skipping church to go to a Browns game is. But next order of business, we've been saying for some time on this podcast that we are going to find people to interview. We didn't want to just interview the first person we came across. We want it to be enjoyable for the audience somebody that we would want to listen to. So we came across my old roommate from college, Connard. Connard is a economic advisor, scientist, something technical. I don't know exactly what he does, but he is also in about 12 different fantasy football leagues, and he runs about 30 mock drafts each year before the draft, talking about who the Browns should pick up in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. I do not have that football knowledge and it's unbelievable that he spends this much time on it but at the end of the day the guy is funny as hell and uh, I think he'll bring a lot to offer in understanding where our Browns skill players should fall in the fantasy draft for you this year we also thought it was very timely obviously because everyone's doing their drafts right now if not already this podcast is releasing today on Wednesday I have my draft tonight one of my drafts tonight so, yeah, uh, we thought that this kid is an absolute fantasy junkie. Oh, yeah. He's the rain man of fantasy football. I mean that with all due respect. He <laughs> lives and breathes numbers, stats, and fantasy football. So we thought it would be a perfect time to bring him on to understand where should our beloved Browns players go. We understand that there's a lot of hype around a lot of the guys, but how does that translate into drafting them into your teams to make smart decisions if you're actually taking your fantasy team seriously? Without further ado, welcome Mr. Connard to the Dogs of War podcast. What's up, boys? As I kind of led into uh, your intro, which you didn't hear as you are in a different state, you are a fantasy guru, a fantasy junkie, a mock draft junkie, and you're also a stats guy. So if anybody knows about what to do in fantasy, it's you. How many leagues are you in now currently? I am in five and then I actually know I'm going to be in seven this year. I picked up two more. Um, 
I won three out of my five leagues last year, a little credentializing. Uh, and I do run about a mock draft a day with the morning coffee. So keeping a good tab on, on our fantasy football marketplace here. Can we dig into that a little bit? I'm, I'm curious to hear more about what got you into that, what got you started with that, how do you do it, where do you put these? Like, I, help us understand the background of your love of the mock draft because that's fascinating to me. I mean, it's a great way to kill time, and I don't have that many other hobbies, so that's where I get the time for it. But I, I just I like to see, you know, before I go into a draft, get a good feel in terms of what the marketplace looks like, who's looking like a value, where the average person takes them, you know, who's getting way overdrafted, and I'm never going to worry about where they're being taken. It's just not the right price range for me. And then I can kind of craft a draft strategy in terms of what I'm seeing. You can get a great quarterback this year if you wait until the 12th round. You know, you can get Phillip Rivers or you can get Jameis or you can get, you know, somebody that's going to put up some numbers still. Don't have to go that early to get what you need. Whereas, you know, if you want a good tight end, you got to do it early or you wait until the very end. You can craft your whole strategy just by seeing where the average person goes. And then there's super easy ways to do it. So there's a site called Fantasy Pros that runs a simulated, you can run a mock draft in like, five minutes, 10 minutes. And it's just all based off average draft position on Yahoo, ESPN, a couple other sites that they aggregate. And so that's a great spot. And then I like the Yahoo live drafts because those have real people. So, you know, you're not seeing the same exact thing every time. Get a little bit more variance and, and a little bit more of the emotional picks that, you know, some kind of homers yeah. will make. So we're curious, whenever I draft, and it's so dumb, but I have no self-discipline, I always draft probably 80% Browns players, and I'm sure some of our listeners do draft a whole lot of Browns players. Who would you say is the most, should be the most high value Browns pick on this year's roster? And where do you see him going? I would say it's Nick Chubb. I think if you are going to win a fantasy league, you need to have one, probably two absolute stud running backs guys that finish top 12 in the position yeah i think his opportunity set is going to be amazing i think he's going to be a top 12 back this year even with cream hunt coming back late in the season so what is that do you think that would translate to a late first round pick uh, I'd be I'd be comfortable taking him very late first like if you have the 12th pick and you get two at the turn I like him there. I'd like him anywhere in the second. Because, uh, I mean, the cream hunting does add a little bit of uncertainty, but uh, there's some stat that it's like if you win three or four of your first four games, your chances of making the playoffs are 70-plus percent. And so it's all about just getting out to a good start, and he's guaranteed to get a ton of high-quality touches, a lot of red zone opportunity. You also want running backs that are tied to high-power offenses. So out of top five running backs in the last five years, let's say, there's not a single occasion where like the top running back at the position has come from an offense that is outside of the top half in total scoring in the league. That makes sense. So if you want a top-scoring running back, they have to be tied to one of the top half of the offenses in the league. You know, like With someone like Saquon Barkley this year, I mean, he is probably the most talented running back in the NFL, but he's going to be tied to, by all accounts, a horrible offense. And so I'm, I'm not taking him number one if, if I had the opportunity, which I think is, is kind of against the consensus. When you think about the Browns' offensive highlights this year, Baker, we talked about Chubb, 
Jarvis, Odell, Najoku, where would you see yourself if you have to pick all five of those players I just listed? Where are you, the fantasy expert, picking them and what rounds? Let's start with Baker. And there's a ton to like here, obviously. You know, Baker was, you know, he set the passing touchdown record for rookies last year. He was already one of the most efficient and accurate passers in the NFL, particularly in the red zone where it matters the most. And now he's got an offensive coordinator that, you know, Todd Munkin led the NFL in passing yards last year as the Buccaneers quarterback. And that's with Jameis Winston and Fitzmagic, you know, which are uh, (laughs) prone to meltdowns, still had 5,100 yards passing last year. So opportunity is amazing for Baker guy's magic i mean he chugs a beer and the indians go on a winning streak imagine what he can do for your fantasy team right however you know at a fourth round fifth round average draft position which is where he's going right now i think he's the third quarterback off the board or fourth depending on what site it's too steep you know i think i I mentioned earlier that if you wait on quarterback and you take two at the very end of the draft you can walk away with like ben roethlisberger and philip rivers in the 12th round so you know, at a, at a fourth or fifth round ADP, I'm not super high on taking Baker. I don't anticipate him being on very many of my teams this year. Now, that being said, you know, seven leagues and being a homer, I'm definitely still going to want him somewhere. So so I'll make the jump at one point, <laughs> but I won't own him a lot just because you can get such quality players late. That's kind of the scoop on Baker. Um, so Odell, really interesting kind of dilemma here for him. So... I would say if you could guarantee me that he is healthy for every game this season, he'd be the first receiver that I would draft. And that's a totally unbiased, not Browns homer opinion. Reason for that is he put up the numbers that, you know, that he put up the last two years playing with Eli Manning and his noodle arm, who out of legitimately last year, every qualifying receiver in the league, it's like a hundred and some receivers. Odell had the lowest percentage of throws on target to him. Still put up numbers. Now he's going to go, he's going to play with Baker Mayfield, one of the, you know, I think he finished one of the top five most accurate quarterbacks in the league last year. He's going to be getting all those passes on target, in stride, with room to run. And so his upside is just incredible in this offense. Um, Not to mention that, again, Todd Munkin, for the Buccaneers, they were the fourth highest team in the league in pass attempts last year, tops in yardage. So uh, the opportunity set for Odell to apply his talent is just incredible. So absolutely love the fit for him, love his upside. Caveat, though, he has not been healthy for a full season yet. And so if he's dinged up by the time the fantasy playoffs roll around, you know, that's that's a risk you need to decide if you're willing to take or not. And for that reason, I would not draft him in the first round, but I'd definitely take him early second. You know, I think he's the kind of league winning potential that you take uh take a stab at in the second round. So Jarvis Landry, I think nice safe floor. He seems to be kind of undervalued in most most of the drafts that I'm looking at. You know, he doesn't go till seventh eighth round somewhere like that you know especially with duke johnson being gone and odell there taking the top off the defense and when we get callaway back as well the middle of the field is going to be wide open for him he's got the steady hands he's got you know the technician as a route runner everything that you need to dominate those you know underneath middle of the field short yardage catches and he's good after the catch as well so i really like jarvis at, at his average draft position right now i think he's He's going to be on a lot of my teams. Let's talk about Hollywood Higgins. 
He's a guy that I think at the very end of your fantasy drafts, you know, 14th round, something like that. Great fit in terms of being high upside if, you know, Odell does not finish the season or gets hurt for a little bit of time. He's going to be starter quality, you know, flex play, wide receiver three, somewhere in that range is just a productive receiver, great hands, great route runner, and tied to, you know, one of the most high volume and efficient passing offenses in the league. So I like Higgins as a late round flyer. The guy that I would really keep an eye on is still Antonio Callaway. So leave him on the waiver wire until his suspension is up and then scoop him as the last guy on your bench because he adds a different element to the offense. Last year, they've got those new tracking devices on the players where they can see in real time how fast they're running at any given point. Antonio Callaway clocked the fastest time of any player in the NFL last year. Faster than Tyreek Hill, faster than Deshaun Jackson. Guy can straight up fly. And you know, if if we want that deep ball element and you still got to worry about Odell and you still got to worry about Jarvis, I think he he can have some pretty big weeks with some long touchdowns. So definitely keep an eye on Antonio Callaway once the uh, once the suspension's up. I think next guy to talk about is David Njoku, one of the freakiest athletes at the tight end position. Uh, the guy was a, a state champion high jumper, and then he's, what, 6'5", six, six, 240, 250? That's a, that's a pretty dangerous combo, not to mention four or five wheels. Love his upside. Um, you can get him at a, at a pretty reasonable price right now. You know, the way that I look at the tight end situation this year. It has the highest gap from the top players at the position to the borderline starters. So if you look at Travis Kelsey last year, number one tight end versus the number 12 tight end, if we're talking about a 12-team league, difference in points per game was eight points per game between number one and number 12. You look at quarterback, QB1 to QB12, it's like two or three points. So that's an area where getting a stud can make a huge difference. And if you don't have one, it makes sense to wait. And if you're waiting, David Njoku is a great target, you know, in the ninth, 10th round, something like that. He's going to get red zone looks. He's tied to a high powered offense and a good quarterback. He's got other people to take the pressure on him off him. So he's not going to be the focal point of defenses. He's in a great spot this year to take advantage. Love him. If you're not making the jump on Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz or George Taylor early. So those are probably the, the most stud offensive players we have. One thing that Odell's been saying, and actually a lot of the players have been saying in interviews at training camp for the past several weeks is everyone keeps talking about us, this offense, but our defense is nothing to sneeze at either. Are the Browns, is that defense as is right now with, you know, more than one Pro Bowl or in that backfield, where are you putting them in terms of, you know, the tiers of NFL defenses in terms of, you know, fantasy? I love the Browns defense this year. I think they're being drafted pretty early just because they – you know, the Browns do have a lot of hype attached to them. I'm um, looking right now, and they are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth defense going off the board. Yeah, pretty good for a defense that didn't get a, a ton of respect last year. I like the Browns defense. I would never, for fantasy purposes, advocate taking a defense anywhere beyond the last two rounds of the draft, uh, just because it, everything changes so weakly, and you can you can pick a defense against a rookie quarterback or a great matchup off the waiver wire every week. So I wouldn't spend a lot of draft capital there. But that being said, I mean, they're, they're going to be dangerous. Oh, Baker's always feeling dangerous. Does this change for you on a year-over-year basis when you think about round-by-round? Round, do you have a formula for I'm picking I'm picking this position every single round, every draft I do? Can you kind of go into you know how you strategize what positions to pick for each round or what you should do for fantasy beginners that don't have a clue? Yeah. 
I personally, I mean, I take running backs and receivers the first six or seven rounds every time. And I just try and get a bunch of great depth there. A bunch of guys that have good safe floors are going to get the opportunity. And if things break right, put up some huge upside as well. I go for a high floor with upside potential, try and get guys tied to good offenses once again. And I won't even really look at quarterback. Like I'm never going to be the guy that takes Pat Mahomes in the first or second round. Or, you know, I really don't mess with tight ends either but that's personal preference. You can win if you do that. But I tend to like getting a guy like, you know, Jordan Reed, super late. Adam, can you tell us a little bit about your Browns fanship experience? You live out in Denver, Colorado. You have a wife who is born in England, ultimately has no uh, allegiance to the Browns. Well, she didn't before she met you. What's the game watching experience like? Correct. I'm a lifelong Browns fan. I should say I'm a post new version of Browns lifelong fan. I went to the first training camp when they were back in 1999, been following them very closely ever since. I think that's also why I love the NFL draft because that's the Super Bowl for for Browns fans for the last (laughs) 20 years. We've been bad at it. Easily the most exciting time of the year. It's where we get all the hopes and dreams and uh, and every year is going to be, things are going to be different. So (laughs) Um, so that's kind of where my love of the draft came from as well but uh yeah my wife from the uk came over here with no allegiances no reason to like the browns so she just had to watch their games with me and i think more than anything she just kind of thought they were annoying because of the frequent and many different ways that they found a way to screw things up so so she tired on them pretty quick uh when we moved moved out to denver she was ready to to switch to be a broncos fan they got peyton manning who went and won the super bowl that year pretty easy you know, bandwagon move. Luckily for me, and and really for her, once the Browns win a few Super Bowls here, we had Hard Knocks come along. So, um, you know, she she got really into Hard Knocks. Love the uh, you know the backstories on all the players and everything. So all of a sudden now she you know loves Baker Mayfield. She's doing the the Bob Wiley. You know, she's built up an actual uh, emotional connection to the team, and now she's got. Her Baker sweatshirt. She's got, you know, order in Jersey. We got a hat. We got our dog dressed up in in Browns gear. Real game changer. And that led us to our our current deal on football watching and different trade offs. So uh, we we struck a deal. I think two years ago. The deal is that I get to watch all the football that I want while it's on, and and she'll watch with me when she's around. In exchange for that, I watch all of the Bachelors, Bachelorettes, and Bachelor in Paradise. You know, at first blush, I thought I was definitely getting the better end of this deal. Think about football is on Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So I get four days of the week, lots of football. But the thing I did not take into account is Bachelor never ends. Like, literally, there is a Bachelor-related something on at all times, like all year. Bachelorette just wrapped up. Guess when Bachelor in Paradise started? Yeah. The very next day. Literally the next day. Yeah, it was insane. And so, um, and those are long, you know, like Bachelor in Paradise right now is two-hour episodes, Monday and Tuesday. For those of you thinking that, that you should strike a similar deal, the key is to gamble on it. You know, I'm a degenerate gambler. like to gamble on anything that I can. You can do brackets for The Bachelor where you pick who's going to get cut every week. Almost like sports, except you're watching a bunch of narcissists that are really just trying to get enough Instagram followers that they can quit their day job. 
Yeah, the, yeah <laughs> those narcissists. <laughs> That's exactly what I do, but they're just hot. But it's it's a pretty good deal. I'd recommend it for those that are trying to get unlimited football watching in the fall. It's it's worth it. Connor, thank you for your time. Your service is invaluable, as is your counsel and your friendship. Have fun out in Denver, and uh, go Browns. Appreciate it, brother man. <laughs> Again, many thanks to our fantasy expert for coming on and giving us all a little insight into not just Browns players in your fantasy drafts this year, but fantasy strategy overall. Next up, you guessed it, Uni Lot Pay Full Time. Let's go. Leave a message. Leave a message. Hey, this is Malik Music calling. Huge fan of the Instagram, huge fan of the podcast. I was calling to let you know if you need any hip-hop music playing or any hip-hop music made, I got you covered. Go Browns. Good day, gentlemen. I'm calling from Birmingham. Birmingham, England, that is. Not the one in Alabama. You can tell the difference. We're a little more civilized here. We prefer to ban guns and allow abortions. Not the other way around. Anyway, I've been following those Cleveland Browns over there in the Ohio colonies for a number of years, and I thought I'd call up and show a bit of support to all in the dog pound. Marvellous, I'm sure you'd agree. Anyway, here's a bit of poetry for you fine chaps in the municipal parking lot. Ahem. Because there's hope, unlike before, and Miles writes his own poetry, a new dawn over Erie's shore brings out the rhyming dog in me. The likes of Landry, OBJ, and Sheehy, bringing men to tears, show spirit missing from past years, and signs that Cleveland Browns can play. With mighty Dorsey's buddy boy, in kitchens cooking hot as hell, there's hope, division title joy, if only Joe was there as well. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed that. Love and appropriately manly handshakes from the centre of the United Kingdom. Good day, sirs. Very strong showing from the Muni Lot payphone. Very, very strong. That guy from England, he actually DM'd me on Instagram before sending that, and I looked up the area code from where the call came from to make sure he actually was a Brit. Shout out to all the international followers, especially that British guy that was a thing of beauty, you elegant, elegant man. That was incredible. I thought it was actually a joke the first time I heard it. I looked at the phone number that called, and it was a legit European british phone number yeah that was that guy was not joking shout out to the international listeners followers all love we got a rap guy on our side yes we do i don't know where that's gonna go but i cannot begin to tell you how excited i am i've always wanted somebody to make rap music for me on my behalf yes sir you're hired yeah i i gave up on the rap game after i saw eight mile and then later straight out of compton knowing that that life was not for me but a guy of that caliber on my side, what more can you ask for? Yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm still trying to keep the rap dream alive, you know, rapping the west side of Cleveland, but whoever this, this guy is, this gentleman is who called in and volunteered to start giving us rap songs, you're in. You are in. That's a wrap for episode three. Next week, we'll be coming back at you with the third preseason game. Quick chat on that. Another interview. And, of course, the regular shenanigans. Regular shenanigans. Thank you for listening. Good night, Cleveland.